Hello all and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today we're going to be reviewing the newest Disney Pixar film, Turning Red. And we are joined by a very special guest, Abby. Abby is back, y'all. Abby, do you want to introduce yourself? Hello. Yeah, sure. My, my name is Abby Sergio. Um, I have been on a couple of these podcasts before. Wouldn't say I am the most um, professional podcast reviewer of movies, but <laughs> I do enjoy being on here. It's always a good time. Thanks for inviting me back. And uh, I'm excited to get into this one. Love it. Love it. Abby always brings really interesting, fresh perspective. So we always love having you. All right, Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary for Turning Red? Sure. A 13-year-old girl named Mei Lin turns into a giant red panda whenever she gets too excited. All right. A simple enough premise. All right, let's dive into our one-sentence summaries for Turning Red. Abby, do you want to share yours first? Sure, I'll kick us off. Um, my one sentence is maybe a little long, but <laughs> we'll run with it. All right, there's like three semicolons in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, okay, I'll just say it. So, okay. Turning Red is not your mother's coming of age story, exploring the complexities of intergenerational trauma through the lens of a quirky thirteen-year-old girl wrestling with who she is and who she's becoming. Aww. Yes. Ooh, so that was good. so good. Well that done. was better than the IMDb summary, let me just say. <laughs> yes, it really was. <laughs> All right, Sarah, what was your one-sentence summary? Mine is, who knew giant red pandas could make such great therapists? Oh, interesting. We, we're going to have a whole conversation about what we think the giant panda represents, mm-hmm. too. That'll be fun because, yeah. Okay, my one-sentence summary is – Stuffed animals representing generational trauma coming soon to target shelves near, near you. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. All right. You're not wrong. <laughs> I just imagine these little kids cuddling this giant panda that represents all kinds of things. Um, all right. So let's start off with our initial thoughts of turning red. Uh, we can maybe share just our our perspectives about this movie more generally, and then we'll include a spoiler and then dive in and have full reign. So let's start off with this initial thoughts. Abby, do you want to, do you want to share your thoughts first? What do you think of Turning Red? Sure. So I feel like Turning Red is a movie that was made for me personally. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I actually watched it twice. The very first time, I just couldn't help but relate to all the, you know, the different quotes that were said, the way that um, the main character, May May, felt about certain things. So, yeah, I just couldn't help but relate. The second time around, it's kind of funny because I, I had actually heard about some, um, like, unpopular opinions about mm-hmm. the movie. And it kind of stuck out to me a little bit more, some of those, like – quirks, I guess, that people didn't like. Um, some parents had qualms with the movie as well. And I just saw that a little bit more. It didn't make me like the movie less, um, but it made me think a lot more about like why do certain people feel that way about it. So yeah, those are my initial takes. I'm excited to dive into that too. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there reading about parents' perspectives about this movie. For sure. 
Sarah, what were your thoughts about turning red? Yeah, I I had a good time with it. Um, I really loved that uh, it it's set in 2002. So like I would have been around the same age as May and her friends. So it was also just fun, like even as a, a white person, like, you know, the whole like boy band thing and the Tamagotchis and like all of these like little <laughs> things that were just like in the consciousness mm-hmm. of 2002. Um, so like a lot of that was super fun. And I love the way that they, they did a lot of those things. So it felt like a nostalgia trip. Um, I, I think the movie is probably a little bit long and could have been maybe like 10 minutes shorter. Cause there were times when I was like spacing out and like not paying super attention, but you know, all in all, I had a really good time with this. And I mean, more than anything, I was just really excited to watch a movie like this that um, is not written with me in mind. And so it just made me grateful that like we're seeing uh, more diverse creators of films from like Disney and Pixar. So we get stories like this that are different than ones that we have seen before. And there were so many times while watching that I was so excited for this conversation because you both will have a different perspective on this movie than I will. So I was just so excited for this because then I get to like learn different things that I might not otherwise learn uh, about y'all's story or just like Chinese culture in general or any of these things. So uh, I think it was just fun for me to experience something something a little bit different. Um, and like you mentioned in your one sentence summary, Jen, she's so cute when she's the panda. So that was just really fun to watch. And I wanted her to just be the panda all the time because it was freaking adorable. So yeah, it was a great time. Great movie. Yeah, you're like, don't hide her away. We want to see right? a little fur. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I immediately wanted one after I finished watching the movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, this was a this was a really refreshing movie. I, it is impressive to me just that one this type of movie got funded and created at this scale and this level. Um I was thinking about earlier today like what it could have been like to watch this movie as like a middle schooler with your friends and for people that weren't Asian to just like understand our backgrounds and our family dynamics a little bit more and what kind of conversations maybe that's sparking for kids that are around this age. Um, I I appreciated the the rules of the universe and the world building that the red pandas represented, just the, the way that that um, functioned around emotions and emotional suppression and like what that re- red panda represents that I'm sure we'll dive into more. Um, was really, really fascinating. I think there's um, some pacing things that the, the the story itself did that I think could have made it more stronger, just take, taking some of the emotions that this movie explores and maybe gives us more time to process them and for a moment for us to like really sit with that emotion. I think I was thinking a lot about Inside Out and the way that that just is like an uh, emotional gut wrench and that it, it takes time in certain moments for us to feel the things that it feels. And some parts of this movie felt like we kind of moved through it a little bit quickly. But overall, just the the movie you can tell was made by an Asian person who came from an immigrant family and has lived through this experience because so many of the relational dynamics within the family, within the parents and the grandma and the aunties, uh, little details about like 
the decor in the home and some of the activities and cultural um, rituals that they do together just felt so true to life and felt true to my experiences growing up. So that was really exciting to see in an animated movie like this. And I think this movie will open the doors to so many other stories about people of color in the U.S. and in North America. And uh, it's exciting to see. So with that, let us include a spoiler here. If you haven't seen Turning Red, it is available to stream on Disney+. Plus. We highly recommend checking it out. And we will be talking about all kinds of plot points from the movie. So if you don't want it spoiled, we recommend pausing and going to check it out. All right, where should we dive in first? Should we talk about the red panda and maybe what you interpreted the red panda to mean? I think the movie has a a point of view on it by the end, but along the way, what did you think the red panda represented for May? For May or in general? Oh, either. <laughs> either, however you want to interpret that question. Because I kind of feel like the red panda can be different for everyone it's like a little bit of those I don't know I feel like it's a strong word to call it an inner demon but it kind of is that it's like those those sides of you that come out that maybe you're not um, 100% proud of or that you wrestle with but it's something that you're working through and for May I mean there were like just extreme emotions I think because of her age but like for her mom for example it was it was mainly anger in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's kind of something that can be different per person, but that's, that's the way I interpret it. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate that the red panda, at least for May, and I think the movie takes this perspective too, by the end represents strong emotions of any kind, both the good and the bad. And I think it would have been, a little bit easier and maybe more straightforward for, for the film to just have taken the more simpler stance of um, the red panda representing like anger and anger alone and that you need to suppress those negative emotions. And I think for the mom, likely that that anger is a big source of what she is trying to suppress within herself. And we see that kind of like come to fruition in the, in the end when she's this like huge gigantic panda who is raging, but I, I loved the, the way that the red panda was both strong and negative emotions, because I think there's a point where May realizes that if she suppresses the negative emotions, she's also suffocating these really positive emotions that she has around like excitement and thrill and passion and love for her friends. And, um, I think that's true to, I think a lot of people's emotional experiences that when they are numbing in general, they are numbing both the negative emotions and the good ones along with it. And it's it's almost impossible, I think, to just isolate one negative emotion and try and suppress that one, but still leave room for the others. So I thought it was interesting that the red panda didn't just represent negative emotions, but kind of the full spectrum of any kind of extreme feeling that you might have. Yeah, I actually have a lot of thoughts on on something you touched upon too, Jay. But um, I'll I'll let Sarah talk about what, what she thinks the red panda is too. No, I mean I was just I I think the same as kind of what yeah. you guys said. Uh, I I did think of it more around like what 
maybe their culture viewed as negative emotions because I could even see how um, excitement, even though it's like a good thing, could be viewed negatively. And, you know, this expectation for May to just be like calm and poised and perfect and all of that. So even like excitement could be viewed negatively along with anger and some of those other emotions as well. Uh, but yeah, just uh, pretty much the same as what you guys said. So Abby, please dive in more. Tell us all the things. <laughs> no, J- Jen um, kind of touched upon emotional regulation. And I thought the message behind uh, this movie around that was super interesting. Like it was kind of hinting at at least um, May's mom's perspective was that uh, you can cure this by locking your emotions away, right? Like it's it's something to actually like hide and not let out. Um, and, and I think she stressed multiple times that emotions become harder to control and stronger each time the more that you let them out. But it, I feel like it's um, it's like how how can you even learn to regulate your emotions if you don't let them out, you know? Like, I think that's kind of what the movie and also just through my personal experience has taught me a little bit more about. It's like, if you don't work through them or if you don't, um, I guess, expose them even just to yourself or to your close family and friends, like, how can you ever learn to regulate those things? Because I think excitement, happiness, like, you know, we, we talk about the spectrum of different emotions, like those all have to come out at some point and we will all feel those things at some point, right? But if we just like keep it inside, um, I feel like that's actually more like how you learn to not control it because you don't know what it's going to be like once you actually let it out. Does that make sense? So yeah, I just thought that that message or like that concept was a little bit interesting. I completely agree. And I think it was so fascinating that we got to see the mom, her panda, come out and it's full uh size because she she's the one that I think first tells May about the the concept that if you let your red panda out it'll grow stronger so you need to keep it held in and we see throughout a lot of the movie like clearly the mom struggles a lot with feeling that pressure of being perfect and living up to the expectations of her mother, uh, which is May's grandmother. And it's almost like by the end of the movie, we get to see the consequences of that when uh, the mother's rage is able to fully come out. And she is a huge panda, you know, and she is raging and she is unable to control that. And, and it requires the the rest of that community of her aunties and the other women to come together to uh, bring her back, to, essentially back out of that place of, of rage. But that lie of you need to control and suppress your red pandas because they'll get stronger really is a lie that that may is told and she she kind of fights against that and we see her thriving with her panda but i love that we also get the picture of the opposite of what may does which is the mother i think in a lot of ways and we get to see her as a huge panda that is unable to control um, her emotions and like you mentioned abby they they will come out at some point and usually they come out in 3x the size that they normally would have because they've been suppressed and kind of held down for so long. 
Definitely. Yeah. It's funny because when I was actually like talking about this movie um, with some family members who are not of Asian descent, they're they're white, um, they they were actually very confused by why her mom's panda was so big. And it's like <laughs> it's I think it's just super purposeful, the reason why, you know, it was that big, right? And she was almost projecting onto May that like if you keep letting your emotions out, like you might become as bad as, you know, I was. She wasn't explicitly saying that, but I think that's kind of like what she was hinting at was her own experience and and making it seem like, oh, well, if this happened to me, it's also going to happen to you. And I think that's like, um, I don't know, a trap. I think that a lot of parents, you know, fall into sometimes. Yeah. And I, I think for like the um, Asian immigrants that came to North America, this is like, it's a, it's a aspect that I think a lot of children of immigrants deal with, but it's a, it's a coping mechanism with dealing with a lot of trying to assimilate into um, culture that was established here and need, it's, like, it's a survival mechanism in a lot of ways um, to, to try and stay afloat, to not make waves, to not really draw attention, you know, in the workplace or things like that. So the regulation of emotion is, um, stems from, maybe a place of, of, of good intention and of trying to survive in a foreign country. But I think it sometimes that messaging can get passed down. And we see that with um, the way that May learns about the, the rules of her, of her red panda and how to cope with those. Um, it's just, it's been passed down from generations. And I, and I appreciate that this movie showcases that intergenerational um impact that gets passed down or can be broken and um, doesn't need to always get passed down. And we see May kind of going against the grain in that way. Um, it, it was really beautiful that that scene right after the, the mother's giant red panda is raging that we see May gets to see her mom and we as the viewers get to see her mother as a young girl. And her being heartbroken about not living up to the expectations of her mother. And it just, this is like, I think really empathy inducing moment where May finally grows up in a way and sees her mother, not just as this authoritative figure or the mother figure in her home, but truly just as a human being. And she's able to understand a little bit more about where that, um, you know, like tiger mom, instincts in her mother comes from and it and there's an understanding I think that they gain in that moment where they're in that uh, bamboo forest and she sees her mom as a young young girl upset over not living up to her own mother's expectations I, I love that they included that in there because I think that's a a moment of revelation for me is realizing that my parents are humans and have childhoods and family dynamics that they are the products of. And it helps, I think, us give a little bit more grace to our parents and understand them at least a little bit more too before that comes from. Yeah, that was such a, a, a sweet moment. And, and what I think I really loved about the ending is uh, that May is the only one who like doesn't, I don't know, put up her red panda, you know, she's the only one that embraced it. So even the rest of her family, though they've seen that this like red panda can be tamed and can even be an asset 
they aren't willing to uh, embrace it. They go back to the old ways. So I, I love that their growth was just appreciating May and who she is and the path that she's chosen, even though they've chosen the the path that they always have. Um, I think if everybody had been like, oh no, we'll be friends with our red panda too. <laughs> like it would have been way too cheesy and just a ridiculous mm. ending to this movie. So I, I love that, you know, it kind of split the difference and there's, there's mutual respect and honor, even though they've chosen somewhat divergent paths in regards to their relationship with the red panda. That was actually going to be one of my questions, which was, why do you think, like, even after seeing the positives through May of keeping your panda, that the rest of her family, um, you know, didn't decide to make that same decision? I think I think you answered it kind of perfectly anyway, Sarah. But the other thought that I also had was, like, how do you think their ancestor – Sun Yi feels seeing all of this happen, you know, because the second time around that I watched this, I was like, my homegirl Sun Yi over here helping them get rid of this gift that it was originally a gift, you know, uh, that she was mm-hmm. passing down generation after generation. And then every single, you know, woman in this lineage is like, no, no, we, we don't want that. Like, we got to lock it away, you know? So I don't know. Do you think, um, I, I, they didn't really give Sun Yi a voice, so it's hard to speculate. Um, she obviously had that moment at the end with May where they were like flying around together as red pandas, and she seemed really, I don't know, content or satisfied that May made that decision. But I wonder if she's like looking down upon the rest <laughs> of the family, like y'all dishonoring <laughs> our whole like lineage over here. <laughs> That's an interesting. That's an interesting thought that I had not thought about. What the heck? Sunny is out here thinking. <laughs> this like beautiful gift like you mentioned. But it, I didn't make this connection until you mentioned that, which is that there's, there's a point maybe this movie is making around how emotions can be a gift and they can be a beautiful thing. And they are ways that we connect with other people. But um, like the red pandas for – maybe the the later women in this generation, like it became too strong. And they, I, like this movie, it takes a nuanced perspective that it's not that like emotions good, non-emotions bad, but there there is a danger to letting our emotions r- totally run rampant. And we see that with May at the party where she gets really upset at, I think his name was Tyler, the young boy. And her inner red panda, like, kind of goes a little cray cray too, you know, and she is able to learn from that moment. But this movie shows us the the beauty of emotions, the power of emotions, but also that they can, uh, if they're taken too far, can if they're like running rampant, can also be hurtful to other people as well. So I hadn't thought about like the movie kind of using the idea of emotions as a gift and Mm-hmm. The way that, that that original, like the root of the red panda was a gift and that our emotions are a gift. Or even if you don't see the red panda as like just purely emotion, like another um, like symbol that I saw it as is is just like the generational trauma that or intergenerational mm. trauma that you may have experienced. And it's that like, you know, sometimes we view um, our trauma as like 
the bad sides of us and it's something like we're not uh, super proud of or that we're ashamed of but like to see that as a gift as well I think can change your whole perspective um, as to like how you live your daily life uh, how you share your your trauma with others and how you use that you know for the greater good it doesn't always have to be something like negative that's really true because if we think back to, and they, they touch on it very briefly, but Sun Yi originally received the gift of the red panda because I think her her like village or her community was getting attacked, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. she, I think, was given the gift so that she could protect them. And so it there is this interesting idea of maybe like it she from this this moment of trauma for her, she was able to channel it into this idea of the the red panda and use it as a a way to um, affect good instead of just receiving it as as only a negative thing. Yeah. There's also at a certain point in the beginning of this movie where I was like, does the red panda represent puberty? Like, and I think this might be Abby, what you're alluding to um, in your initial thoughts around. Um, some parents' perspectives about this movie. So let's dive into that. At some point, did you think about the Red Panda representing um, puberty and growing up? And what are your thoughts on the fact that Disney Pixar has included that in this movie that is meant to be for kids? Because some people have lots of feels about that one. What are your thoughts? Yeah, there's some hot takes around that. Um, I personally don't believe that the red panda was supposed to represent puberty, but I think it was purposeful that um, May's red panda acted a little bit different than like her mom's, for example, and it was because of the stage of life that she was going through. Um, And that's actually, I think, one of the most interesting criticisms I've heard about this is that like, May is too obnoxious. She's like kind of cringeworthy and like they just <laughs> felt uncomfortable by it. And I was like, uh-huh. well, isn't it interesting that you feel uncomfortable watching a young, you know, female girl go through normal life? Like <laughs> um, everything, you know, that we saw in terms of like the duality of her her thoughts, like the, the conflict that she felt, she was both trying to be mature, but also like still a kid at heart, you know, the the whole like story about Four Town and how she really wants to see the concert and and they had the parts where the the panda and her friends had those really googly like stuffed animal looking eyes like that's like younger May you know that and that's that's normal and I also think about how when I was in middle school like I was probably all over the place too you know <laughs> like both wanting to be <laughs> seen as a grown up but still inside feeling very young and like I don't want to let go of you know all the fun of my childhood kind of thing and and I think that time period of our lives when when we hit puberty when we're in the like middle school years and we we develop self-awareness and we we feel embarrassed about things but we also get really excited about things and our emotions are just swinging everywhere is uh a good time, I think, to that the panda would come. I mean, there's there's a moment where May's mother says, like, I, I thought I had more time to, like, figure this out with you. But, like, you're at that. She's 13, which when I think when I was 13, I was starting high school. And that's a super volatile time period. So 
I think the the concept of the red panda representing strong emotions feels like it's the right fit to align with the period of time where you're going through puberty, you're growing up, you have all these like emotions you don't know how to deal with, you're super angsty. Um, so I think it's fitting. Uh, I've heard some some parents mention that the in, introduction of the topic of of periods and pads and bringing in the ibuprofen, like that whole sequence, um, they felt uncomfortable with because they they didn't know they weren't ready to have that conversation with their with their child yet. And now this movie has ushered that in, uh, which is something that I didn't think about at all while watching this movie. Probably because I'm not a parent of a child that is like um, consuming this and asking questions about it. But I can see how that might bring up conversations you just didn't expect to have with your kid before watching this movie. And it just raises some interesting thoughts and I think questions around like that trust relationship between a brand like Disney and Pixar that has um, kind of that immediate stamp of approval from parents that this is okay for your kids to watch and that relationship that parents and viewers have with a company and a brand and what kind of content they'll they'll create and topics they'll push out. Which is kind of interesting. I hadn't thought about that at all. Sarah, I'm curious your thoughts on that whole uh, feedback that uh, some viewers have about this movie. Yeah, it's it's super interesting because I saw a bunch of like hot takes on Twitter uh, before I ever watched this. Um, and most of the discourse that I saw on Twitter was people being upset or defending uh, the mention of periods and pads and all the things in a Disney movie. And so... Based on the Twitter hot takes, I was expecting that to be like a big part of this movie. So when it was only just like a few minutes, it's like, yeah. really? Like, that's it? Like, that's what people are freaking out about? Like, it's, I, that was like nothing. Why are we upset about this? Um, but I, I do understand, you know, parents getting upset about it. Again, I am also not a parent. Um, but I, I also think that it's just so courageous because, you know, menstruation and all of the things around that are just not talked about. You know, it's one of those like hush, hush things like, oh my gosh, we don't talk about like periods. We don't talk about pads. So for it to be in a Pixar movie, like I'm, I'm here for it. Like, sorry, parents that you have to talk to your kids about this really like awkward thing, but it happens. It happens every month to half of the world. I mean, I guess it would be less than half based on ages, but still, like, I mean, <laughs> half of the population has to deal with this for a good chunk of their lives, and we never talk about it. So do I think a Disney Pixar movie is the best place to talk about it? Maybe not. It's arguable. But I'm just, I'm, I'm glad that you know, some lights being shined on this. Maybe we don't need to make it this like awkward, shame-filled thing, uh, but it can just be like, no, it's just kind of part of life. It just happens. So let's let's talk about it. Let's deal with it. Um, and I guess my only other thought on this kind of related to like the brand and the, the trust thing, like, I don't know. I probably would have been more upset with Soul, uh, you know, launching yes. you into a conversation about like, what is what is a soul? What is the afterlife? Like all of that. Like that's a way harder conversation I think to have than like, oh yeah, girls get their period every month. And this is what it is. Like, I don't know. Like that seems like way more straightforward to me than uh, you know, this ethereal concept that they that they address in soul. But again, not apparent. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> 
Yeah, like, sorry, parents, that you have to parent, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I I just think about, like, it's funny because I'm not a parent either, but my husband and I were talking about how we would very much use this as a learning tool. It, you know, I, I would rather them in the comfort of my own home watching this ask me about what that means um, rather than maybe arguably even in school. I don't know if, if – Maybe, you know, sex ed has come a long way and it's a lot better, but who knows? Maybe there's questions on their mind that they don't feel comfortable asking in front of their friends, right, or, or the teacher. Um, maybe it's even better than them learning from an even raunchier movie. <laughs> I don't know, right? Um, I just – I personally didn't find that it was, uh, I, I guess, like not the right timing or not the right um, medium to use. I also think – or from what I saw is that like – People or sorry, kids under the age of, you know, like 11, 10, that sort of period uh, or time period is it kind of like goes over their head. Mm -hmm. And then so for those who don't know about it, but kind of can understand what what they're saying, like that is the right time to start talking about it and learning about it, you know? So like what is the better time? And then if you're older than that, like a teenager and up, then it just it should be normal by then, in my opinion. Um so, yeah, I, I don't think there's really much to be argued there. Um, Disney doesn't owe parents anything, honestly. <laughs> so mm -hmm. they can normalize these conversations as much as they want to. I, I'm, I'm here for it. The other thing or the other hot take that I saw often, maybe you saw this too, Sarah, was that the film is promoting disobedience um, in children. And I guess that's because May, mm -hmm. you know, stood up against her parents, decided to not depart with her panda, so on and so forth. And I don't know, it just, to me, it kind of, it, like, it highlights so much how uncomfortable parents are with being defied and being seen as wrong. Um, and that's something I had to unlearn, like, in my own personal experience, too, over time, is that, like, my parents are not always right. So I don't know. I, I kind of just see those parents who are afraid of like the disobedience thing happening as just like being afraid to be wrong, which they very well could be in certain circumstances. But like, have they watched any other Disney movie? Like, I mean, come on, like the whole premise of The Little Mermaid is she wants to go ashore. Yes. Her dad says no. And she's like, well, screw it. I'm going to do it anyway. Hello, yep. disobedience. Like, I mean, every Disney movie with a teenager as a protagonist is filled with disobedience and rebellion. So, I mean, if you're going to be upset with turning red, which that's fine, you can be upset. You got to be upset with almost the entire Disney canon for that to, like, make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a similar thought, though, which is I wonder how Asian parents of, like, our generation would feel about this movie, watching it. You know, like I, I did not watch this with my with my parents, but I'm intrigued to know how they feel about this because I think it's something that is talked about a lot in the like Asian American community at least um, that are maybe first or second generation. This is like a common topic. A lot of the movie, the themes that the movie explores is like very much in line with a lot of people's experiences and and. I think our generation is getting a lot more open about talking about these type of things and things we want to – cultural things we want to bring um, to the next generation when, if or when we have kids and things that we don't want to pass down anymore that um, we've experienced enough of. But I'm intrigued to know 
if we get a bunch of Asian parents uh, from our generation, I'm, I mean, I wouldn't love to know what they think about this movie because it it has some things to say about uh, the way that uh, Asian parents have related to their kids. And I wonder if they see that or if this is maybe a newer idea to some of them. That's true. I thought about that too. Um, my parents didn't watch it. I'm almost like holding my breath if they do. <laughs> yeah. It would be super interesting. But can we have a moment for Jin, which is May's dad, Yo. you know, being a good example of parenting? Um, I, I think that would be interesting too for to, to hear their takes on like um, seeing this like dichotomy between – her mom and her dad like had he not been there I don't know if May would have decided to keep you know her panda because at some point I think she was ready to listen to her grandmother when she went to Tyler's party and came up or came in a a cardboard panda instead of her real one Um, I think she was convinced at that point but then later on when she had that you know heart to heart with her dad and I think it's one of my favorite quotes he said people have all kinds of sides to them and some sides are messy. The point isn't to push the bad stuff away. It's to make room for it and live with it. And I was like, yo, claps for <laughs> <Yes>. the dad. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my favorite scenes too. And the yeah. way that he just created this safe space for her to figure out who she was. Um, you know, I think it it's – scary maybe for her to to see all these sides of her coming out all of a sudden and um to be rejected and that is also suppressing and and keeping that red panda away but he i think shows her the video where she's being silly as the red panda and just like so full of life and gleeful with her friends and i think he tells her like i like this side of you um Mm-hmm. the silly goofy like happy-go-lucky side of you and that 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 joy and that goofiness he's celebrating that in her and I think it's very true to life that sometimes we need someone like that to to recognize that and help us feel safe in exploring and expressing ourselves so yeah he's a real MVP in this movie yeah I was also super I don't know like proud of him in a way because if you think about his perspective, he could have been easily biased by his wife's panda <laughs> that this is not like an okay thing to be letting out. Like, May, you should just really listen to your mom, you know? Um, like that was his, I think, his only experience with it. I don't I don't know if they mentioned that he saw like the grandmother's panda or anything like that, but he did see it once, right, with his wife. Um, and yet he was still able to take kind of like an objective perspective seeing his own daughter go through something similar, but yet so different. Um, And then like, you know, still see the goodness out of it instead of thinking that it would just be the same thing as uh, what happened with his wife. And I also love that he's different than we often see uh, like Asian fathers portrayed in movies or TV. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he wasn't this like stoic, emotionless guy, but he he was quiet and he was reserved, but he was also passionate and loving and so kind and excited. And so he showed all of these different emotions that we don't always get to see um, from Asian fathers. So I thought that that was really uh, important to be able to see something so different than the stereotype that we're normally stuck with. 
Yes, that's so true. Okay, so when our Asian parents do see this, all the dads are going to be like, oh, heck yeah, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) The moms are going to be pissed. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. One thing that I think that this movie nailed really well and uh, is – it's one of those moments where I'm like, yeah, this is definitely made by someone who has experienced the the Asian experiences. All of the relational dynamics between the many different people in the family, um, the dynamics of the aunties showing up that are super nosy and gossipy and want to know all about what's happening, um, the kind of tough relationship that May's mother and her grandmother has, but also this like uh, – respect that everyone in the family has for the grandmother as like the matriarch of the family. And then even down to the little details, it was a small little moment, but the the relationship between uh, May's grandmother and May's father, there's a small moment where I think she barks some order at him to go do something. And as the son-in-law, he is so obedient in that. And um, that is definitely like a super interesting, like, um, relational dynamic that's within Asian families is the in-law parental relationship. And so those little tiny details, they were all just like super brief and small little moments, but um, they were really, really accurate and common to a lot of families. So I loved getting to see, see that in this movie. There were a lot of similar moments like that and little details that were woven in. Yeah. I think those were the parts that made it like so relatable as uh, you know, children of, of immigrant parents. Um, I also thought it was interesting. This this kind of jumped out to me the second time around that I watched it where um, Tyler had used words like crazy. He used words like creepy temple and things like that. And um, I, I don't know. I didn't take notice of those words before, but they stuck out to me the second time around. And I was like, it – they not only highlight, you know, the the intricacies and um, like those really granular details of their culture, but they also highlight this other perspective of the outside view, which is that like this is foreign to me and I have no idea, you know, what's going on, but it's weird. And uh, it, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting how they they gave him that voice, but then at the end of it he still was able to kind of like relate to them on some other level being a four townie himself. (laughs) Um, I wasn't really expecting that, but yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely true to life. I think. Yeah. Some of those little microaggressions, I didn't didn't realize that the first time around at all, but Mm -hmm. thinking back, I can see that he, he kind of was like, sees her as the other in a lot of ways. Um, and it's subtle and maybe easily missed, but There's definitely that dynamic. And it was also interesting that he – when he has the party and um, his his parents come out because May basically tackled their son and the party's broken up, I think he is also – his parents had um, some kind of accent. I think it was some kind of a Hispanic accent. But I thought that was really interesting as well. Like you see – that the school is diverse in this melting pot of all different types of people um, and cultures that have come together and that Tyler and May have maybe more in common than they would have initially thought from the beginning of the movie. Yeah, I think she also had one of the most diverse friend groups I've seen in any like <laughs> mm-hmm. Pixar movie, right? One was mm-hmm. white, one was Indian, what was the other one? Korean. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were super cute. They're geek squad. Yeah. <laughs> I kept having to to recognize the fact that they were 13 and they just felt so young to me, but maybe that's just because I'm old and that period of time is so long ago that they just feel so, so young and innocent. And um, it's crazy. It, the sense of time is so warped, but yeah, I was like, wow, they're 13. I guess I was, I was like that when I was 13 too. <laughs> yeah. I was actually wondering if like kids that age now watch this and they think this movie is like trash <laughs> <laughs> or like is representing them in the wrong light. I've mm-hmm. thought about that audience and also the audience of like of of that age group right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of them might be or might have parents who are actually U.S. born or American born at this time. So I wonder if it's like a lot less relatable for them because, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm sure there's still like aspects of their culture they get to experience, but um, it is interesting to try like that that challenge of having to keep your culture alive in a country where I don't know I think it's it's a lot harder to because of the melting pot that you're in and the need to assimilate and just what you grew up with right yeah I, I wonder thinking, what those kids think I was thinking that about that a lot while watching this movie like who was the primary target audience in mind I really think it's uh, it's us and our age group because of the 2000 references, because of um, the specific age that May is and the fact that her parents um, and, and that relational dynamic was so much a part of our experiences. I I mean, it's it just hits on every aspect of our own um, childhoods. I know that this was a deeply personal film for Domi. She, who was a director, so it makes sense that um, she was able to weave a lot of that in. But I know so many people that are like in our generation that were just captivated by this because it so much was like reliving their own childhoods. But I wonder how this movie will age over time. Um, You know, in 20 years, will a lot of the same types of topics still be relevant or will they be slightly different in nature? And is this a movie that is for kind of this current moment, this present moment? How will it age? I'm just sad kids won't know what Tamagotchis were. Right? Maybe this will be like the resurgence, though. Like, I mean, they got to come back at this point, right? They were in a whole movie. And they were like a big part of the movie, too. Yes, yes. Yeah, and the flip phones and the – I think someone had a razor, right? Yes. And the Polaroid camera. The best. Sarah, what were you going to say? No, I just – I think it's really smart to have set this back in 2002 uh, because to to have this movie happen today would be very different because like even like 13 year olds they all have smartphones they all at least have some interaction with social media of some kind so it'd just be a very very different like you couldn't have turning red set presently because that just that wouldn't work Um, so to me it's almost like this like little time capsule and, you know, if, if, you know, culturally things change over the next few years, which would be lovely, uh, and maybe some like healing from like generational trauma and all the things, you know, it would still serve as this like snapshot in time and, and help, 
I don't know, maybe other people see like, oh yeah, like that's, that's what it was like growing up for me. Um, and so this is why I'm raising you differently or things like, like I could see it being like a, like a helpful tool if things do progress and there are questions or whatever. So I think my hope is that it'll still really age well. Um, and that even if the themes aren't like directly relatable, they, they will still be impactful maybe in, maybe in a different way. I don't know. We'll see, you know, in 20 years, uh, we can chat about turning red again. (laughs) Yeah, the 20th anniversary of turning red. (laughs) Well, overbearing parents will always be in fashion. So (laughs) we'll have that forever. That'll be relevant and relatable for kids. Yeah. And even if not, kudos to Disney for taking that risk and proving people wrong that Disney movies are not just for kids. <laughs> yes. So for anyone who thinks that it's not for their kids, well, maybe it's not. And you're missing the point. <laughs> mm-hmm. So true. So true. Did y'all have any favorite quotes from the movie? I can't remember specific quotes, but there are details that I loved in the movie that were just these little references um, that I think – People that grew up in Asian families will just be like, oh, yeah, that that was my childhood and just have it ring true. Um, so I jotted a couple of those down that I wanted to give a shout out to. One of them was the sliced fruit that the mom delivers to May while she's, I think, doing her homework. I think it was like a plate of oranges. And that is a common experience yes. for kids <laughs> in Asian families. Um Another one was them, uh, I think they were making dumplings of some kind with this like Chinese traditional drama on TV that somehow everyone in the family knows and is invested in. Um, that was like constantly playing in my my home or my grandmother's home. And then a lot of the the little details around the wall art and the prevalence and abundance of just orchids as floral decor throughout the home um, was just so on point. And then Obviously, the the special couple of shots that they give in slow motion of the father cooking, I think early in the movie, was just the equivalent of the Crazy Rich Asians uh, montage moment of like any of the food scenes. Just food is such a big part of our culture and like um, a way that also Asian parents give love and they really, they really highlighted that. So I loved those little moments. Yeah, I think before – uh, she was sneaking out to Tyler's party. Her mom was like, oh, where are you going? Like, I just made all your favorite meals. And then the whole <laughs> dinner table was full of food. Like, they were not just eating for three people. Um, yeah. I also noticed a lot of little, like, I guess, I guess they were character building or setting moments for May where, like, in that dumpling scene where they were making the dumplings, she goes to her dad to show them to him and then he inspects it, and then he's like, perfect. And she's like, yes, you know? And then I think in her room, I think she had, like, three posters. I forget exactly what it said, but it's, like, like work work hard. Yeah, study, (laughs) listen. It was so interesting to see, like, how much she also valued um, that acceptance and that, I don't know, perfectionist mentality almost that, you know, you you get passed down from uh, generation to generation, too. That's where I think I I felt um, I related to her the most is like just how much she prided herself and and like when she was showing off all her grades and stuff to her mom, 
That was cute. I think there's a moment where she says to like to herself when she was frustrated about I think her mother discovering uh, her drawing. She was like, "You are your pride and joy. They put everything on your shoulders. Like you cannot let her down." And it was just this really adorable moment. But also, you're yeah. like, "Dang, there's so much more there to unpack." You know, like in those <laughs> few things she's telling herself, you're like, "Wow, that hits home for sure." <laughs> One thing that I also appreciated. And it's a, a one short, small little shot um, that happens in the ending of this movie when uh, May has already kept her panda. And it's essentially like that denouement little wrap-up scene where she soon walks off with her friends to go to – I don't know. They're going to hang out. But beforehand, she is still um, continuing on the the ritual with her mom to pray in the temple. And I thought that the inclusion of that shot was really meaningful because they easily could have taken another stance, which is that May has totally um, broken free and she is now fully hanging out with her friends and able to like um, be integrated into like pop culture and the culture at school. But I, I love that the movie also tells us that she still values and she's still maintaining many of the the cultural values and rituals that are important to her family as well. And that you don't have to choose between one or the other. It's not binary, but you can pick what things you really want to hold on to and keep, keep on into the future and which ones maybe you want to break free from. And uh, it's something Abby, you and I talk about a lot, which is like, which culture, cultural traditions do we want to make sure aren't diluted and are passed down? Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that this movie gave us that one little shot to to show that there can be this blending of cultures together. And it's not necessarily a binary either or. So that was really, really great to see. Yeah. I, I actually had another question that kind of relates to that decision of like, well, the decision that May had Um, and the freedom that she had to make that decision. Do you think 13-year-olds should have the freedom to make those those decisions at that age? Like, I guess there's there's a couple different decisions. There's one, like, getting to keep, you know, what certain parts of your culture and and so on and so forth. I feel like that's something we still think about even even now as adults. Um, but really more specific to May was like the decision to keep her panda. I remember like she said at the end, she was joking with her mom, my panda, my choice mom, remember? And yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> she got a little sass in her. <laughs> I don't know. And maybe that's the part where parents also feel a little bit like, you know, this, this, is, this is a choice that they can make, but maybe when they're a little bit older. I don't know. But – what are your guys' thoughts on that? It's like, do, do you think a 13-year-old should or would have the right sort of like mindset? That's an interesting question. I don't know if I'm going to answer it directly, but I was thinking about kind of something related to it that might be answering your question, which is around like, That's okay. I think, I think a, a lot of the character growth that happens throughout this movie is actually in the mom in May's mother, where we see a, a transformation and an understanding that the mother gains around how to to let go um, uh, and how to like alleviate some of the pressures she may have been putting on May, all of that. And I think May still also goes through some growth too, but I was thinking about how 
sometimes like for if you're May, uh, your parents may not see that or go through that transformation. And how do you still um, stay true to your what you believe in or the the freedom that you want to have or or make yourself feel heard in that way uh, in the context that sometimes it might not get heard. Like in this case, there is a bunch of things that happened where that that growth for their family and their relationship was able to occur. But I guess I was, maybe this is like the adult in me and not the like kid in me watching this kid's movie. Like I'm like, this honestly probably doesn't happen for a lot of people too. Like their parents may not change. Their parents may, if anything, like double down on their expectations and their standards. And how should May cope with that? Um, That's a different movie. Definitely not a kid's movie, but I don't know if it, directly answers your question but I guess like as a 13 year old how do you stand up for what you believe in and, and what you value in a and sometimes a context where you might not be heard even at all you know um so I guess that that doesn't answer your question because you're asking like should she even have the ability and the right to do that and I guess I took it in a different direction <laughs> which is like how do you continue to, to do that and assert yourself if you aren't hurt at all? Yeah, it's a separate but related question. Yeah, I didn't really sure. answer your question. Sarah, <laughs> do you have thoughts about this? See, I'm also not going to answer your question. But um, <laughs> but I do think that it's interesting. Like I hadn't even thought of that. But like even at 13, I'm pretty sure that I had already like completely repressed my emotions. <laughs> so I think like if I had been – in May's shoes, like, no, I would have chosen to like shove that down into a little trinket. Like I wouldn't have wanted it. I wouldn't have chosen the panda. Um, but I, oh no, now I forget what, where I was going to go. Oh no, the thought left. Crap. I was going to go in a different direction. And oh, Get now I remember. Okay. It came back. <gasps> yes. um, but what I love about this film is that it's such a reminder that we don't have to choose. Like if we have tucked away our emotions, like the mom, the grandma, the aunties, um, we can choose a different way. And I just, I love that. Like this provides um, like a visual representation of emotions and emotional health and all of these things. So if we are more on the suppression side, we can maybe identify that and choose to take steps toward emotional health. Um, and I, I really love that even though in the movie, it's either, you know, you have the panda or you don't, um, in real life, it's probably more of a spectrum and we are, we can move toward emotional health or we can move away from emotional health. And so I just, I, I love that we're not stuck in this either or that May and her family seem to be. So yeah, but love the question. I'm also just not going to answer it. <laughs> I think it was answering it in, in another way. Um, and I think it, it does bring up a good point where it's like, maybe that shouldn't even be the question. It's like the freedom to choose. It's it's really more just like, how do you regulate your emotions or, or how do you do that um, at that age, right? And mm -hmm. to your point, 
you know, it's a little bit of influence from your parents. It's a little bit of your own, you know, uh, decision making as well and self-awareness. And it's like a combination of these two things. So if we were to view it from that lens, it's like, yeah, I think a 13-year-old should probably have the ability to like or, or the, the at least the safe space, right, to process these things, to um, choose to live with certain emotions, but in a healthy way. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I think you kind of answered it anyway, Sarah. <laughs> and I, I do love that we're seeing more and more movies that, that talk about emotional health. Like, I mean, I was taught to repress my emotions, that emotions were bad. And so I, I love that, you know, a, a whole generation of us who were taught not to feel things are now producing movies and works of art that are like, no, actually emotions are good. Let's teach the next generation how to regulate them. So I just, I, I love that this uh, kind of carries on that theme and is talking about emotional health in, in a different way. Um, uh, Abby, you asked what, uh, what some of our favorite lines were. And I loved at the end where, where Ming was talking to May and she was, uh, she says something to the effect of like, the higher you go, the prouder I'll be or something like that. And I, I feel mm -hmm. like that's kind of what a lot of these movies are, are saying, like, you know, we've come so far in gaining our emotional health and we're going to be so proud of you, the next generation, as you continue to take ground in this area going further than, than we ever were. Um, so I'm just, I'm really excited to see, hopefully, you know, the kids who come after us will be way more emotionally in tune and, uh, maybe even as teenagers be more emotionally in tune than we ever were. And I think that that would be a really, really positive thing for just the world in general. Yeah, that's so true. Something my own therapist always tells me is, is, is like, it only takes one person to, you know, make a change. And it sounds mm -hmm. super cliche, but it's true. Like, especially in a family lineage, like it just takes the next, you know, kid or, or <laughs> whoever is the youngest in the family to decide I'm going to do things differently um, and, you know, it make make a change and, and make it for the better. So it is nice that her mom realized that, that there is that opportunity. Uh, and that's ultimately like what matters at the end of the day is that she can become and grow into a better person than she was. Which goes back to one of the points Abby, that you made earlier around like um, the what sung ye and and the fact that the the red pandas were originally a gift, they were just for some reason over the generations became something that was feared, and the way that May is almost bringing us back to that original um, intent of the red panda gift, which is that it was a gift. And she breaks that cycle of fear because that fear was passed down from generation to generation between, um, the women in this family. And you see the way that, uh, the first time May becomes a panda, her mom responds completely out of fear. And that translates to her as well. But you see her then with her friends, like turning it into this entrepreneurial endeavor, which I loved. It was so great to see that. Um, and they were making money off of it. They were having a grand old time as as with May as the red panda. And so like as 
May was able to reframe this thing that was feared for so many generations into its original intent, which was that this is good when it's handled well and stewarded wisely and that it doesn't need to be something that's feared. It all came full circle. Indeed. Get that. All right. Good job, guys. We did it. (laughs) (laughs) Any other last thoughts about turning red before we wrap up? I just think it's it's interesting that this uh, didn't get a theatrical release and it just went straight to Disney Plus. And uh, as I was watching, I kept going like, man, I kind of wish that I was watching this in the theater um, just because there was so much detail in every frame and to see it on like a big screen would have been just so much more fun uh to really experience this world so i just i thought that that was kind of a shame that it didn't get a big theatrical release that i think this movie could have warranted yes wasn't the first things i think i texted you jen after i watched this movie (laughs) like the animations are so juicy (laughs) (laughs) she called them juicy and i died i died well, they are, though. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> that part where he was cooking and, like, all the different yes. ingredients. Yes. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> yeah, shout out to the animators. They put in a lot of work, most likely, <laughs> mm-hmm. on those scenes. And also, I think we don't have to go too deep into this topic, but another shout out, I think, to the producers or whoever made this decision to show a little bit more Cantonese representation. Um in in pop culture and uh you know in movies like this that was super cool to see um because i i think chinese obviously like it gets lumped into this one group usually majority right speak mandarin but it was just nice to see a little bit of different representation as well um because that's also very true to all different people who are from china yeah and they make up a huge population Mm of of um, Chinese speaking, if we're using Chinese as the general term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Huge population. Uh, one last shout out that I have is to some of the anime references in the animation styles. I am probably like not an anime expert at all, but some of the um, moments where Mei and her friends, her, their eyes would become like the sparkling, glittering, uh, whatever they would see for town oh, yeah. is like a direct reference to the way that anime eyes are often drawn. And when they are like captivated by something, their eyes will do the same thing in those animations. And then um, just the pastel backdrops, I think um, the visuals of this and the level of detail of those color palettes and um, the the backdrops were just were just stunning. I want like screenshots of some of those to make as my backgrounds are gorgeous. So those are really, really beautiful. Yeah. Fun fact, there's actually a word in um, Filipino or Tagalog that describes exactly the feeling they depicted with the anime <gasps> eyes. Really? Yeah. It's called um, kilig. And it's just oh. like, ooh, it's, I don't know how to even explain it, but like- they put it on screen <laughs> and it, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> Wow. I, I don't know what the equivalent in English would be. It's just like internal squealing and captivated yeah. like excitement. Well, that's so many words. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, a lot one of word words. In Filipino. Exactly. Yeah. All right. 
Well, thank you all. This was our review of Turning Red. You can find it available to stream on Disney+. Plus. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. And a big thank you to you, Abby, for joining us for this conversation. It was really, really wonderful. Thank you. I had a lot of fun. This podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection and is something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our Strategic Whimsy Experiment, and we encourage you to find a way to infuse a little whimsy into your day. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or where we tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review letting us know your thoughts about turning red. You can connect with us on Instagram at Strategic Whimsy Experiment, on Twitter at Strategic Whimsy, or you can email us at strategicwhimsyexperiment at gmail.com. We will be back next week to discuss the film The Batman. We hope you have an amazing week, and we'll see you very soon.